0: the world's great novel.
1: And now, a few scenes of the merry yuletide season in the England of the early 19th century by an author unsurpassed in his ability to capture that spirit and endow his characters with it. The National Broadcasting Company presents The Christmas Chapters from Charles Dickens' Pickwick Papers, another in our series of books that live, The World's Great Novels.
0: And so, my friends, Christmas is with us again, the season of hospitality, merriment, and open-heartedness. The time when the old year is preparing, like an ancient philosopher, to call his friends around him, and amidst the sound of feasting and revelry, to pass gently and calmly away. And it was in this spirit that the four honorable members of the Pickwick Club left London to spend the holidays with the Wardle family and other friends at Manor Farm in Dingley Dell. As the Muggleton coach rumbles over the wide open country, the Pickwickians sit well wrapped in great coats and comforters. The two gentlemen to the left are Mr. Augustus Snodgrass and Mr. Nathaniel Winkle. On the right hand we have Mr. Tracy Tupman, the too susceptible Tupman, who, in spite of his experience and mature years, is still the victim of the most interesting and pardonable of human weaknesses—love. Time and feeding have expanded that once romantic form. But the soul of Tupman has known no change. Admiration of the fair sex is still its ruling passion. And his thoughts dwell happily upon Mr. Wardle's spinster sister Rachel, in whose presence he shall soon be basking. And last but certainly not least, that gentleman nearest the window, the bald head... The circular spectacles and twinkling eyes belong to Samuel Pickwick himself, the leader of this illustrious and select group. Now they've reached their destination and the holiday is about to begin. You and I shall treat these merry days as one does a heavy-laden table, sampling the choicest bits here and there, it being beyond our power to experience the whole of it.
1: Ah, gentlemen!
0: As Mr. Pickwick alights from the coach, followed by his faithful servant, Sam Weather, he comes face to face with Mr. Wardle's favorite page, better known by the distinguishing appellation of the, the Fat Boy.
1: Aha! Fat Boy! Aha! Mr. Pickwick! I see you're fatter than ever, and you look rosy enough, my young friend. I've been asleep in front of the taproom fire at the Blue Lion, awaiting the coach. The master sent me over with the shay cart to carry your luggage up to the house. Fine, fine. And how is everyone at the house? Uh, all's well, sir. Gentlemen, Tuffman, Snodgrass, uh, uh, Winkle. Here, uh, uh, no, uh, yeah, see, see who has been sent to meet us. Oh, uh-huh, Fat boy. Oh, uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sirs. uh, Welcome to Dingley Dell. Oh, thank you, and glad we are to be here. The fat boy was just reporting all well at the house. Fine spirits. Uh, have all the other guests survived, fat boy? I should hope, sir. Else there may not be enough food for the servants. (laughs) (laughs) I think Mr. Winkle's interest centers in one particular guest, Fat Boy. Has the lovely Miss Arabella Allen appeared? Oh, yes. And shiny new boots with fur around the tops. The whole group of them is out walking in the fields now. Uh, Mr. Wardle, his two daughters, Miss Emily and Miss Isabella, ever so many. And, uh, and tell me, fat boy, is Mr. Wardle's sister in the walking party? Uh, the spinster aunt, Miss Rachel? I uh, sir. Oh, the young in heart are never old. Oh, well, day. Mr. Sodgat, since Mr. Tupman pines for Miss Rachel, and Mr. Winkle for the lovely Arabella, and we have a healthy wish to see our friends, I suggest we walk forward at once. I was another style. Robert should have taken a different style. These styles do terrify me. Don't they do, Mr. Tuttle? Oh, why, no, Miss Wardle. I... Oh, of course. I forget how brave and strong you are. Well, if I may take your hand to assist you... (laughs) Oh, sir. Oh, well. You get no one watching. Only your two nieces, but I see Mr. Snodgrass is assisting them. Oh, yes, my niece. Now, Emily. Uh, oh, Mr. Bell. they oh, raise their voices. <laughs> Young girls have such very... Oh, they have? It's quite delightful. <laughs> you may let go of my hand now, Mr. Chapman. Eh? I'm quite safe on the ground. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, pardon me. Uh, tell me, Mr. Tuftly. <laughs> do you think my dear niece is pretty? Why, should, if the aunt wasn't here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not there. <laughs> uh, but really, if their complexions were a little better, don't you think would be nice-looking girls? by candlelight? Yes, I think they would. Oh, you please. I know what you're going to say. What? You were going to say that Isabel Stoops. I know you were. You men are such observers. Why? Well so she does. It can't be denied. And certainly, if there is one thing more than another that makes a girl look ugly, it is stooping. Uh, I often tell her that when she gets a little older, she'll be quite frightful. <laughs> oh, well, you are a queen. <laughs> uh, oh, what a sarcastic smile. I declare I'm quite afraid of you. Afraid of me? Oh, you can't disguise anything from me. i know what that smile means very well. Uh, What? You mean, you mean that you don't think Isabella's stooping is as bad as Emily's boldness? Mm. Uh, Well, she is bold. You cannot think how wretched it makes me sometimes. I'm sure I cry about it for hours together. My dear brother is so good and so unsuspicious that he never sees it. If he did, I'm quite certain it would break his heart. Oh, I wish I could think of his only manner. I hope it may be, Miss but... <laughs> Isabella is coming toward us. Oh, dear. Oh, yes, my dear love. Oh, I'm so afraid you'll catch cold on. Have my silk handkerchief to tie round your dear head. <gasps> you really should take care of yourself. Consider your age. Oh.
0: Now we shall leave Miss Wardle and Mr. Tupman and look upon other scenes of this big Christmas. After a hearty dinner that night came the ball. The best sitting room at the manor farm was a good long dark paneled room with a high chimney piece. At the upper end of the room, seated in a shady bower of holly and evergreens, were the two best fiddlers in all Muggleton. The carpet was up, the candles burnt bright. The fire blazed and crackled on the hearth, and merry voices and light-hearted laughter rang through the room. If anything could have added to the interest of this agreeable scene, it would have been the remarkable fact of Mr. Pickwick's appearing without his gaiters for the first time within the memory of his oldest friend.
1: You mean to dance? I do. Don't you see I'm dressed for that purpose? Beckled silk stockings, smartly tied pumps. <laughs> yes, Mr. Pickwick. You are indeed dressed for the purpose. Well, you in silk stock? And why not, sir? Why not, Mr. Tupman? Of course, there's no reason why you shouldn't wear them. I imagine not, sir. I imagine not. the uh, they're a pretty pattern. I hope they are. You see nothing extraordinary in these stockings? Yes. As stockings, I trust them? Uh, certainly not. Uh, certainly not, sir. Then I believe we are all ready. Let us have the music. <laughs> I I, I shall. What's the matter? Uh-huh. I can't never make such a good start again. Where's Allen? Where is Arabella Ellis? Where is Arabella? We well, begin can't begin without huh? her. And part two is Winkle. Yes. Winkle. 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 Uh. Here we are. Aha, sitting quietly in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> what an extraordinary thing it is, Winkle, that you couldn't have taken your place before. Not at all extraordinary. Well, on, on second thought, looking at Arabella, well, I I don't know that it was extraordinary after all. Hey, gentlemen. <laughs>
0: guest dance, let us glance into the kitchen, where Sam Weller has engaged the fat boy in conversation. So you say the family has games in the kitchen later tonight, eh? Yeah?
1: Always on Christmas Eve. That master wouldn't neglect to keep it up on any account. Your master's a weary pretty notion of keeping anything up. I never seen such a regular gentleman. Oh, that he is. And don't he breed nice pork. I'll tell you what, you young boa constructor. If you don't sleep a little less and exercise a little more, when you comes to be a man, you'll be laying yourself open to the same sort of personal inconvenience as was inflicted on the old, old gentleman as wore the pigtail. Well, what happened to him? I'm going to tell you. He was one of the largest patterns that was ever turned out. Regular fat man as hadn't caught a glimpse of his own shoes for five and forty years. Oh! That he hadn't. And if he'd put an exact model of his own legs on the dining table before him, he wouldn't have known him. Well, he always walks to his office with a weary, handsome gold watch chain and a gold watch in his fob pocket as was worth... Yeah, I'm afraid to say how much, but as much as a watch can be... You'd better not carry at their watch, says the old gentleman's friends. You'll be robbed on it, says they. Uh, shall I, says he? Yes, you will, says they. Well, says he, I should like to see the thief as could get this here watch out. For I'm blessed if I ever cared. It's such a tight fit. And whenever I wants to know what's o'clock, I'm obliged to stare into the baker's shop, says he. But it last, one day... The old gentleman was a along when up came a pickpocket and a little boy. The little boy rushes straight-head foremost into the old gentleman's stomach and for a moment doubles him right up with the pain. Murder, says the old gentleman. All right, sir, says the pickpocket, helping him to straighten up. But when he comes straight again. The watch and chain were gone, and what's worse than that, that old gentleman's digestion was all wrong ever afterwards to the very last day of his life. So just you look about you, young feller, and take care you don't get too fat. And I might say the old gentleman's story holds a moral for nigh everyone around this time
0: of feasting.
1: I... I am so worn from fright at the story... I'll have to cut me a piece of mince pie to keep me going.
0: When the ball ended, all the guests repaired to the kitchen, where they joined the servants in swapping stories as they sat about the blazing fire and drank from the water. (laughs) And uh, it is feared that some of the party drank perhaps a bit too much. But it's now for example, Mr. Pickwick, who held a conversation with himself upon awakening the next morning. Mr. Pickwick? Yes, sir.
1: Do you have a confused recollection of having severally and confidentially invited somewhere about five and forty people to dine with you at the George and Vulture the first time they come to London? I fear I have such a recollection, sir. Then I consider, sir, that is a pretty certain indication that you took something besides exercise on the night fast. Yes, come in. Good morning, sir, and a Merry Christmas. Oh, uh, yes, and thank you, Sam. The same to you. I'll put your warm water on the table, sir. Well, Sam, is it a frosty Christmas? Water in the washhand basins of Moscow Ice, sir. Mm, Severe weather, sir. Fine time for them, and it's well wrapped up, as the polar bear said to himself when he was practicing his skating. Mm, true, true, yes, true. I shall be down in a quarter of an hour, Sam. Very good, sir. Uh-oh, there's a couple of sawbones downstairs. A couple of what? A couple of sawbones, sir. What's the sawbones? What? Don't you know what a cerebellum is, sir? I'm not the least abashed to admit I do not. Oh, but I thought everybody knew that a was a surgeon. Oh, a surgeon, eh? Oh, just that, sir. These here ones as is below the, like, the regular sort of bread cerebellum. They're only in training. In other words, they're medical students, I suppose. In other words, sir, one is the brother of Miss Arabella Allen, and the is his friend. Capital, capital, I'm glad they're here. They're fine fellows, Sam. Fine fellows. You haven't yet seen them, sir. Nevertheless, I know they are very fine fellows, with judgments matured by observation and reflection and tastes refined by reading and study. I'm very glad about it. They're smoking cigars by the kitchen fire. Ah, just what I like to see. And one on one on has got his legs on the table and he's drinking brandy neat. While well, the other one, him and the barnacles, had got a barrel of oysters between his knees, which he's opening like steam. And as fast as he eats them, he takes aim with the shells at the fat boy sleeping in the chimney corner. Eccentricity is <laughs> a genius, Sam. Eccentricity is a genius. I must hurry down to meet them. <laughs> Here he is at last. Merry Christmas, my guy. Merry Christmas, Pickwick. This is Miss Allen's brother, Mister Benjamin Allen. Pass me those oysters, Bob. No need to hog them all. Why not? Then we call him, and so may you if you like. Uh, Ben. Huh? Oh uh, yes, uh, Mister Samuel Pickwick. Honoured, oh, sir. I do, sir. Bob, you almost hit the boy that time. Uh, this gentleman here is Mr. Allen's very particular friend, Mr... Mr. Bob Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to have missed out on a bit of humor. Oh, no, no, we often laugh while eating. Good for the digestion. Oh, I see. Well, I'm honored, Mr. Sawyer. Same, sir. Pass the spice beef, then. I can't. Well, Pickwick, we had might as well partake of some breakfast ourselves. Yeah, better set to it if you have to get any. We've got great appetites. Bread, please. There you go. Ah. Splendid morning, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. That's the mushroom, Ben. Ah. Have you come far this morning, gentlemen? Blue lion at Moselton. Oh, you should have joined us last night. Mm. So we should. But the brandy was too good to leave in a hurry, wasn't it, Ben? Ah, and the <laughs> cigars were not bad, or the pork chops either, were they, Bob? Decidedly not. <laughs> the very thought of that food renews my appetite for this breakfast. Well, take away, Bob. So I do, Ben. Yeah. You know? Uh, there's nothing like dissecting to give one an appetite. Oh, yeah. Please pop that fowl. Oh, right. Hush, gentlemen, Bray. I, I see a lady approaching. What? If it isn't my dear sister. Oh, and Mister Winkle? What, Why, Ben, I didn't expect to see you. Merry Christmas, Arabella. Well, why are you here? Come to take you home tomorrow. Oh, no. And the fame of the food at Manor Farm is not to be laughed at. Oh, Ben. Oh. Don't you see Bob Sawyer, Arabella? Your old friend, Bob lovely as ever, Arabella. I'm pleased to see you, Mr. Sawyer. <coughs> oh. oh, Ben, dear, have, uh, have you been introduced to Mr. Winkle? Oh, I've not been, but I should be very happy to be, Arabella. Uh, uh, my brother, Ben, Mr. Winkle. Winkle. Your servant, sir. And this is my very particular friend, Mr. Bob Sawyer. Cyril, How do you do? Well, you two look rosy and healthy. I, I gather you had a brisk morning walk. Oh, yes, Mr. Pickwick. It's delightful out if one keeps walking. Uh, to keep up the circulation? Oh. Circulation. <laughs> Blood. I say, if any of you feel the necessity of being bled, I'm just your man. Righto. Oh, Bob's a capital bleeder. Oh, Ben, please. Uh, don't tell me you're a queasy person, Mr. Winkle. Not in the slightest, sir. Well, I suggest you two sit down and have a bit of breakfast. You must be ready for it after your long tramp. And I insist that the lovely Arabella sit next to me. Well, I... It's been too long since last we saw each other. Allow me. Thank you. Huh. Aren't you going to sit down with us, Mr. Winkle? Uh, yes, I was... Oh, it... there's a vacant chair between Mr. Snodgrass and Ben. Thank you so much. hatred struck to Mr. Winkle's heart every time he glanced at Bob Sawyer and Arabella
0: sitting together. And when Mr. Sawyer openly placed his hand over that of the fair young woman, Mr. Winkle put an oyster shell and all into his mouth, was on the point of swallowing it before realizing his mistake. He lived on the hope that after church he would be able to get Arabella to himself again. But alas, as things turned out, it was a luckless day for Mr. Winkle. Mr. Winkle. It was after a substantial lunch had been done justice to that Mr. Pickwick said Now,
1: what say you to an hour on the ice?
0: We shall have plenty of time.
1: Okay,